EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to a special edition of EST. Uh, my name is Josh King. As many of you know, I am a resident of Texas, Dallas, Texas. I'm very proud so. So as um, as you can imagine, it breaks my heart for what is going on in southern part of our state with the recent landfall of Hurricane Harvey as it crashed into the the gulf there of the state of Texas. It's affecting a lot of people. Of course, you do not have to be a native Texan to be broken by what you're seeing on the news and the media and things like that. So Today what I thought we would do is maybe just talk a little bit about dealing with natural disasters and um, preparing for those sort of situations as they might come because I believe that as a pastor of an established church, you're in a unique position in which you can help your community in times of even areas which are maybe not friendly to churches. In times of natural disasters, they can turn towards churches, and churches have a number of resources like large meeting rooms, gymnasiums, large kitchens, those sort of things. My guest on the show today is Steve Besner. He's a pastor down in the Houston area, being personally affected by this storm. As we speak, we're recording this on Monday, August the 28th, and um, we'll be posting this tomorrow. So this is right in the thick of it, still going on. Steve, how are you doing today? We're doing okay, Josh. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about where where your church is, where where the campus is, where you minister, and the kind of the region that you serve. You bet. So I pastor Houston Northwest Church. We are a Southern Baptist church that is in the Northwest portion of Houston. We sit, for those of you familiar with the Houston area, outside of the 610 loop, we actually sit on what is known as the Sam Houston Beltway at the intersection of the Beltway and Highway 249. That highway runs to Tomball, Texas. So we are on the Northwest portion of the city. And um, our Part of town is, uh, like much of Houston, a part of town that is connected by a network of creeks and bayous. And so that has been our primary concern as we have seen Harvey approaching. Hmm. So it's accurate. Houston is only slightly above sea level. Is that true? And then that most of it's over a bayou. That's correct. So um, the the primary Uh, industry of Houston in its early days was to serve as a port. And so for those of you who are familiar or unfamiliar with the geography of Texas, Galveston Island was at one point the wealthiest city in the state. Some even said perhaps in the country. And the port of Houston was the port that was just inland from Galveston as traders from particularly the Caribbean, but also other parts of the world would come in. The waterways that connected into the port are bayous, and a bayou is an inlet of water that does not flow like a river, but instead is that brackish type water where fresh water and salt water meet. 
Mm -hmm. And the city of Houston has a series of creeks and uh, that run into these bayous. And so whenever the city was being founded and settled, obviously people would want to settle near these creeks so that they had access to fresh water, et cetera. And we're talking about one of the largest cities in America, either the third or the fourth largest city, one of the largest metropolitan areas. And so this is an immense amount of people who are affected by this rainwater. Yeah, that's right. Um, currently, we're ranked fourth in the nation. Uh, the most recent projections have, have us overtaking Chicago uh, by 2020. I'm not certain how Harvey will affect those projections. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, one of the big questions that we've been receiving is why didn't public officials call for an evacuation? And the, the reason for that was that we actually had a Hurricane Rita uh, that hit us about a dozen years ago. Mm -hmm. And Rita um, was an evacuation event for the city. And we discovered that we have too many people now to do an evacuation of that scale. Right. And what happened was a disaster. We had hundred over 100 people die in the traffic as the storm hit. So the city has been preparing for a new plan in case of a natural disaster, and that's why there was no mass evacuation. Wow. So let's talk about that, planning and responding um, to natural disasters. As a, as a pastor, what are you seeing? How is it affecting your church particularly and your community? I know you posted some pictures this morning on Twitter, and um, it seems that the water is rising right on your campus. What does it look like personally? Yes, yeah, so um, our, our church is in what is known as the Cypress Creek area, and Cypress Creek is one of the major um, watersheds for northern Houston. Um, and uh, typically, uh, Cypress Creek from time to time will come out of its banks. There'll be some minor street flooding. Every now and then, a couple of homes that are right next to the creek will get flooded, but um, nothing that has ever approached this scale. And so right now, we have... Um, uh, the reports are a little bit back and forth, but we've got waist-deep water in our church campus in every area except for the auditorium, which thankfully was built about seven feet higher than the rest of the campus. Mm. So um, we're brainstorming and strategizing this morning about how we're going to move through that. In the past, when there's been natural disasters, we've used our church as a staging point for relief workers. Uh, at this moment, uh, we're figuring out what we're going to do as far as a church to be able to continue ministry. Uh, we, we're going to do that. We just don't know exactly what it's going to look like in the coming days. And uh, we're we're, uh, we're going to work through that. So mm. that's kind of where we're at today. And what is the latest estimate on how much rain you've, you've received so far? Yeah, um, it's kind of even difficult to put it into perspective. The first 24 hours, which was when the flooding that began to show up on television took place. Uh, we had almost two feet of rain in 24 hours. So 24 inches in 24 hours was a, a common number coming around. Mm -hmm. uh, that was followed by then, um, you know, more obviously the next day. So, so far I've heard estimates of around 35 to 40 inches in parts of the city. Mm -hmm. that have come in in the last 48 to 72 hours, and more rain is expected, although we believe the worst is behind us as far as volume. Okay, good. So how does a—let's let's, let's uh, shift here a little bit and looking forward. 
some many of our listeners, of course, are not in South Texas, and and uh, they have different disasters that they have to deal with, maybe mudslides, earthquakes, large amounts of snow, etc. What would you say? How, what's some of the things that you've learned now, maybe looking back on how you respond when a natural disaster does yeah, hit your community? You bet. Well, um, relief organizations will tell you that there are three phases and there are three R's. The first R is rescue, and that is the most immediate phase. And um, we are definitely still in the rescue phase of our natural disaster. And that is when you are trying to get people out of immediate danger. That is life-saving. Most of the time, the church is not directly involved in that at the scale that first responders would be. In this particular situation, we've had a hand in some of that with individuals going into neighborhoods and taking people out of homes with high water. The second Mm -hmm. R is then relief. Relief is when our church and most churches begin to get involved. Uh, That's when things like shelter and food begin to show up. That's whenever you think of organizations, primarily places like the Red Cross and and that sort of thing. Um, The third R is recovery. And Uh, that's when churches can do the most work because relief organizations and rescue operations will typically end within the very early days, but recovery work will continue for, in this particular situation, months. Mm -hmm. And uh, churches are a big part of that. So that involves cleanup, that involves counseling, that involves helping do the hard work of helping people find the place that they need to be, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, We'll be partnering with our denomination, uh, Southern Baptists, who will be coming in to do relief work in our part of the state, and they'll be here a long time. So they'll do relief and recovery, and we'll be right alongside them, and I think that that's what churches can really do when they're faced with a natural disaster. Yeah. You are right in 24, 48 hours of dealing with this. As a pastor, what is what are some of the—what's taking up the majority of your time after a disaster like this? Yeah, right now what I'm doing is I'm trying as best I can to assess the needs within our church body. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're using social media and cell phones, praise God for those those inventions, to check mm-hmm. on people. And so we're able to find out immediate needs. Uh, we have a number of our church members who have been evacuated and flooded. And so what we're doing is assessing who has the most serious need. You know, we have lots of people who want to help, and we are— uh, cataloging the resources that they have available. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're, we're getting all that together so that as soon as the waters recede, we can spring into action. Mm. What are some of the um, things that you're learning are maybe not great ideas out in responding <laughs> to a disaster relief? Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, Josh, we had a little bit of experience of flooding on a much smaller scale. And sure. so we had built out some systems in the past and so that, that was a good lesson for us. And I think that in that last time, what we learned is that our instinct is to jump immediately into the helping phase, but it's actually helpful for pastors and churches to take just a little bit of a step back and to provide that spiritual and moral leadership in their communities. Lots of organizations are watching us, particularly if we have faithful presences in our community and on social media. And Mm -hmm. so we're making certain to pray and keep a positive attitude because people will get discouraged if we get discouraged. Uh, Number two, uh, we can't get exhausted. Um, Even in a smaller flood, relief work, uh, recovery work, 
is a marathon, not a sprint, and it does no one any good if we exhaust ourselves. So um, I've spent a lot of time on the phone yesterday, but finally my wife looked at me and said, you need to sleep. And so she took my phone away mm. and I slept for about eight hours and it was great. I feel a lot better today. Uh, so I would say those are the two biggest things that we've learned. Don't, don't overextend yourself. Don't exhaust yourself. Stay positive and, and focus on the Lord. And so, you know, we're calling for prayer. We're using Facebook Live to pray for people. We actually had church from my kitchen table broadcast over Facebook Live yesterday. We're doing whatever we can to, to reach out to people and keep their eyes on the Lord and stay positive. Wow, that's some great stuff. So if one of our listeners finds themselves in this unthinkable situation, a, a disaster has hit their community, whether it's large, like something as huge as Harvey hitting something as big as Houston, or maybe smaller, like a smaller tornado ripping through a city. Um, some great, great advice there to not overextend yourself, to prepare for the long haul, to really kind of minister to the spiritual needs. Those sort of things is not exactly what we think. We want to jump out there and start, you know, grabbing an axe and go to work, you know. But this is this is the role that we play as churches in these communities. That's right. You know, another thing I would say, too, is that you've got to really make sure that you are coordinating and communicating with other, with other organizations. Um, when you start communicating and coordinating with other recovery and relief organizations, with the police, with the fire, they will then trust you and they will know that you are at work and they will communicate with you. If you you know, so in other words, we are going to help our church members, absolutely, but we want to be a broader recovery organization for the community because that gives us an opportunity to tell people about Jesus, but also to help love our city well. Mm. And we want to encourage all churches that might hear this to not only focus in on themselves, but to coordinate with other churches, other organizations, first responders, city government, state government so that we might uh, have a broader reach. And that is one of the things that we learned in our last bout of flooding. We coordinated with the county, and it paid big dividends. And we, uh, we think that we'll try and do that this time around on a much larger scale. You've been listening to EST, a conversation about the established church with our hosts, Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We'll be back shortly after a brief message from our sponsors. Hey, this is Josh. I wanted to take a few moments just to talk to you about one of our EST sponsors, Trained Up. As a pastor, you know that you need to train your volunteers. You also know that that is one of the hardest things possible to do. Trying to get their schedules in order, trying to get everybody to show up, planning and organizing the whole thing can take a lot of your pastoring time away from you. With this resource, Trained Up has not only cut the amount of training meetings in half, it's also significantly increased participation by up to 40%. And that's a win for everybody. Not to mention that Trained Up already has courses built in with just about every ministry area you can think of. So even if you don't know what to cover, they've got you covered. And now for a limited time only, Trained Up is offering a 50% discount on their multi-ministry package for two years. Go to trainedup.org to get started today. Thank you to our sponsors who help further the mission of EST. If you'd like to partner with us and have us spotlight your ministry, go to estchurch.com for more information. Now, let's get back to the show. So we've been talking about how um, Steve Vesner and the church, Houston's Northwest Church, are responding to um, Harvey, the the outflowing rain. Um, now, the Houston's Northwest Church was not directly hit by the hurricane. Am I correct? It was more the rain that came That's along correct. with it. Yeah, 
Corpus Christi and Rockport got the hurricane. And for those of you who don't know, the difference between a hurricane, tropical storm, whatever, is, is really just about the winds. So right. we did not get the winds. Uh, we got the rain. And the problem with Harvey is that it is a meandering storm. It has not moved, whereas most hurricanes come on shore, cause big damage, and then get out of the way. Harvey is sitting still. And so we are praying and would love it if you would pray with us that sure. Harvey will move out of town. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what we faced has been flooding. So the problem in Houston is because we have these bayous and these creeks, as we've received record amounts of rainfall, that there is not enough of a grade on the city of Houston for the water to drain quickly enough. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what's happening right now. And the interesting thing is just knowing geography and the way Texas works, that we have a particular path we want this storm to go through. We want it to actually go up through Louisiana and then Arkansas because it'll it'll speed up, it'll go faster, it'll rain itself out, and it mitigates some of the problems with, you talk about the grade, whenever the Dallas area gets a lot of rain, Houston often will be affected by that because our water runs your direction. So we don't want it That's to right. actually come up this direction. We want it to kind of hang towards the east and get caught in that jet stream and, and take off that way. So as I said, we've been talking Correct. about responding to a natural disaster in your community. Let's shift gears a little bit and think long range here. Not too long ago, the day after Christmas, our area was hit by a large um, tornado and affected quite a few people in our community. And immediately our community responded with, if this happens again, here's what we're going to do. And so, you know, there was a number of steps that we took in preparing for that. One of them was just kind of a an assessment of the resources we have. So our church particularly with our gymnasium and our large sanctuary, those sort of things in, in such a small community became, this is going to be where we stage relief. This is where we're going to be, where we stage um, sort of help and things. What would you say are some of the steps in the long-range planning, looking ahead, if something were to happen to our community, this is what we would do? Yeah, great. Um, the, the, uh, first of all, Josh, I think that what you said is, is absolutely correct. And uh, those are good things that you need to do. Um, we we uh, realized that we needed a better system to catalog needs and to catalog those who would help. And so that's one of the, the things that we have been fine-tuning uh, that we learned in our last bout of flooding. And so we are more prepared this time around to do that. Uh, the other thing is that we have been fine-tuning our relationships with those public officers that we, we spoke of recently we want to be able to know who to call and how to coordinate with them. And so um, we actually have been building that relationship. And the unfortunate truth is that even though uh, we didn't want to have to have a relationship with them, it's good that we do because now we're going to be able to to work with them as soon as the waters recede. Hmm. So how, how about the other aspect of this? One of the things that we don't often think about is it's in times like this that the churches seem to get along the most, and it's in times of peace that the churches seem to be more competitive. What are ways that you foster relationships with other denominations, other churches um, that help in situations like this? Yeah. I've actually already had several pastors reach out to me as they've heard that our campus is flooded and tell me that we can use their facilities in any way that will be beneficial Wow. And so I want to just give a public thanks to uh, the Met, which is a church right around the corner from us, and to mm-hmm. Faith Bridge uh, Methodist Church uh, for already extending those offers. 
Uh, we've also been very blessed by Crossover Bible Fellowship, who has already offered to help clean us out. So that's that's been outstanding. And I think that um, you're right. Unfortunately, sometimes we get consumed with attendance in times of, quote-unquote, peace. But, um, you know, I think that in these sorts of moments, whenever you have an opportunity to build that relationship, if you can keep that relationship, it really gives you an opportunity to brainstorm ways to do ministry in the future, to think of ways you can serve in schools, serve in neighborhoods, to think of ways that you could potentially serve in community events together, to think of ways that you could hold events together that would be large events for the community. And what you hope is that something like this creates relationships that end up being beautiful things in the future. Right. Is there anything that you were surprised by? I know you've dealt with flooding before, and this is, you know, a large-scale event. I'm thinking of the listener who is not yet in this situation, but we want to prepare their hearts and their minds going into the situation. Was there anything you were surprised by? You know, I was um, I was surprised by how emotionally overwhelmed I have felt during this because I am powerless. Um, mm-hmm. Right now I'm talking to you from my house because I cannot leave my subdivision. Wow. And um, it's frustrating to see on social media and to have phone calls with so many people who are being evacuated and to see through pictures that individuals are sending me over cell phone, our church campus, um, and it just to not be able to help. So I, I think that emotionally it was exhausting. And I spent some time uh, yesterday just crying out to God and trying to hand that over to him. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that I'm a little surprised at is how much people depend on the church being a rock in this moment. And, um, whenever the photos of our church being flooded hit the internet, um, it was very difficult on our, on our church members. And so immediately, as I've already spoke about being positive, uh, we, we said, you know, second Corinthians chapter four tells us that we are pressed, but not crushed. And Mm -hmm. this church is not about people. I mean, not about a campus. It's about people. And this is what God does in our lives and we'll work together. And, um, and so I think that we have to never underestimate how much a church means to those who have been part of a church for any amount of time. It's, it's, a, it's an institution in their lives. It's something that provides stability. And uh, so that's why uh, we're going to work immediately to get up and running as quickly as we can so that we can provide that sense of stability for people in our community who are looking for a place to turn. I wonder as you're as you're speaking on different topics. I wonder. I'm trying to think through some of the things that maybe an established church, a smaller congregation, doesn't really think through until it's too late. One of those is forms of communication. You talk about being able to communicate through text and and um, social media, et cetera. I know a lot of churches still today don't have a sort of a central social media presence or the ability to text all of their members. Those sort of things and you speak to some of their pastors, and, and their their opinion is, well, we don't really need that. We communicate through the bulletin or the right. handout on Sunday mornings. And it's really important that we're able to communicate in times like this yes. when when we can't gather together. So It is, helpful. and uh, I, I want to just say, if you don't have any social media, the, the place you should start is Facebook. Uh, personally, I prefer Twitter over Facebook, but the amount of traffic 
that we get compared to Facebook and Twitter is, I mean, easily 20 to one. It's just not even close. Um, And the other thing is, is that the people in your congregation will have Facebook. And because of Facebook, we were able to, as I've already mentioned, um, get video updates. I was able to do a prayer over our city that went on a video. I haven't checked it this morning, but last time I looked, it had been viewed 6,000 times, not because wow. our church is, is, has 6,000 people. <laughs> it's because people just share, you know, shared it. Right. And uh, we, like I said, we did a, a church service remotely, and people started sharing that because everyone's stuck in their house. On top of that, it gives a central clearinghouse in the morning. I'll just okay, church, where are we at? And people who are flooded are posting this, I'm flooded, I'm out, or we're dry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and we're getting those sorts of needs posted. So then we're able to know uh, where we need to prepare our efforts to go. Um, so I would just say that to go to the trouble of cultivating a social media presence, it is a little bit of a hassle for those who have not done so, but I can't tell you the the rewards so far outweigh whatever burden there is. It's crazy to not have it. I mean, it is absolutely crazy. I might even so far as to say it's poor leadership and foolish because yeah. you you need to have it, need it, and you need to use it. Yeah, I would agree, and I would encourage you, if you don't have that sort of presence, to look into the difference between pages and groups and your own um, identity or profile. We handle a lot of our communication in-house through what we call a group or what Facebook calls a group, and that's church-specific information. Then we have a very active page that is community-wide. You know, it's it's more outward-faced. And when you have to deal with certain things like posting somebody's address and things, you want that in within the members and members only. And then other needs you can face outward. So, yeah, those are the sort of things that when you're talking about historic rainfall – it's too late at that point to try to create a Facebook page. It's too late at that That's point to right. try to create. So you need something like that. If not, like I said, our church has a system wherein we can text all of the members instantly. We can uh, you know, send out mass communications very quickly and effectively from one place. And if you can invest in those sort of things, they're, they're very helpful not only for the yearly fall fest but for situations like this You know, Correct. when, when you're coming Correct. out of those sort of things. So, uh, Besner, our heart breaks for you guys, and, and the pictures are just almost too much to see. How can we help? How can our listeners help? They're all over the country. That Most are not affected by this. How can they help financially? You bet. Um, well, the organization we're going to partner with is the Southern Baptist of Texas. Um, so if you want to give directly to them, they have a website that you can give. Or if you want to give to our church, our dollars will go to relief efforts in our part of the city and will be also coordinated through them. And you can go to our website, hnw.org, click on the giving tab and select um, you know, Harvey Flood Relief, and you can give to that. Uh, but I would also say there's lots of organizations that are great that are going to be on the ground. I trust the Southern Baptist of Texas. I trust the Texas Baptist men. I would give to to those organizations first personally because mm-hmm. I know what they're going to about. Uh, however, if you want to give to the Red Cross or you want to give to some other organization like that, that's that's absolutely fine. Uh, I I hate to say it, but the first thing that we're going to need is money, and uh, because uh, manpower without supplies will peter out. Uh, mm-hmm. Second thing we're going to need, we are going to need manpower, and if um, but if people want to do so, if churches are open to this, uh, we're, 
first of all, in my part of town, it's going to be bad. But the worst is happened between downtown and uh, then the coast. And if people are willing to mobilize and come, uh, we would love to have you in the northwest part of Houston. Well, as soon as the water goes down, our parking lot is going to be a staging ground. We anticipate for the Southern Baptist of Texas because they did that uh, recently with us in a flooding situation. Uh, but they may choose to move into a harder-hit area, and if so, then we would encourage crews to come and set up in our parking lot, uh, set up wherever Southern Baptists of Texas are, bring your tools, bring your attitudes of positivity. Uh, even if you can only come for a weekend, you have no idea how much difference it makes when Christians show up and willingly serve and show the love of Jesus. So those two things are going to be the big things, and uh, we would love it if people would give and would would come serve. Yeah, I just want to um, agree with the things that he said there. Of course, the Red Cross, these things are great organizations. They do good work, but as believers, as pastors, we want to support not only good work, but gospel work. Um, as I've, I've talked with Besner over the, the course of this, we've been in constant contact. The organization that I would encourage people to support is the Texas Baptist Men it's the oldest, strongest disaster relief here in Texas, and, and the way you can support them is texasbaptistmen.org slash give now. And um, we've already – we've got some members the, – the, for transparency, the director of the disaster relief is a member of our church. They're already headed down that way now, and um, he shared yesterday in our worship congregations up here that, you know – if you like just picture your house is flooded out or burned down or something like that, would you rather be given the money to go buy new clothing? He said underwear, or would you rather be given used underwear? Of course, you'd rather go buy the things that you need yourself. And um, he even brought up the tornado in Rowlett and said that back then truckloads of donated clothes were taken to the dump because it was just trash and it was things that were not needed. So, um, those aren't necessarily the things we need. We don't need clothes donated necessarily, but water, staples like that, and money. Lots of money needs to be going this direction because that's what's going to help the most. And then, of course, as you said, manpower. Um, Stephen, our thoughts and prayers are already with you. Our people and supplies are on the way, and um, we're headed down there. So, you know, we're praying for you guys. Thank you so much, Josh. And if you guys end up in our part of town, we will love to host you, and uh, we'll take good care of you. Thanks to anybody who in advance is giving and who is preparing to come. We love you. We appreciate you. And uh, we look forward to seeing what the Lord does through this. All right, man. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I hope that um, relief comes. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the Word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu.
and come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there. 